1: Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host.
0: Awesome. So why don't we jump right into it? So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and uh, what you're passionate about. And we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thanks for yeah, thanks for having me, and and uh, and great to be uh, on the show. But um, ultimately, we um, I'm one of the co-founders of Hugo. Mm-hmm. And um, Hugo is one place for team meetings, notes, and tasks. Um, we were passionate about meetings um, and and the way teams meet. Um, and the way we go about that is changing the way teams collaborate around meeting and meeting workflows with meeting notes at the core. Um, so, for some context on on the problem and and, and how we came about it, um, I come from a background as a corporate attorney, and, and my co-founder um, comes from a background in product. And we spent our whole lives in Meetings. And what was so fascinating to us is that so much had changed about the way we work. If you think about it, even pre-pandemic, the move to remote and distributed teams, um, more autonomous and flatter management structures, um, the explosion of SaaS and the 150 different tools we use every day and the way we collaborate work looked yep. nothing like it did five, even five or 10 years prior. Oh, yeah.
0: That's right. But the way we meet
1: hasn't, right? For generations, it's the same deal. Sure, we have Zoom now, but it's still, you need everyone in the meeting, either in the room, virtual or otherwise, people, not many people prepare. And when they do, they just write some notes themselves. Um, We all get to the meeting. Um, It's expensive because it's all about time. We have this great discussion. And as soon as the meeting ends, most of the value dissipates. Things Mm -hmm. slip between the cracks. Nothing gets followed up. Um, We forget what we actually spoke about. We spend the next meeting recapping and overlapping the outcomes of this meeting. And that really blew our minds. Why hadn't meetings changed if everyone else had? So we saw the meeting note as like the atomic unit to represent the value of a meeting. If we could just capture what happened in a meeting and the the insights from that, the actions that needed to happen, um, we could extract so much more value out of meetings and make it the meetings truly valuable to everyone else in the business who wasn't in the room. Um, and that was the the emphasis for Hugo.
0: Interesting. So, so how does it work? I mean, you, so you're in. I'm assuming it has a video component like Zoom. And then while you're in the meeting, are you sort of capturing notes at the same time? Is everybody capturing notes? Or I mean, I'm I'm intrigued by the concept of the atomic unit of meeting notes. Like, how does sure. that work?
1: Yeah, totally. So the way Hugo works is you still use Zoom or however you want to hold your meeting, maybe in person even. Um, and um, Hugo Hugo helps you prepare. So it's all based on your calendar. So it's a web application and a mobile application. We bring in your calendar and we see who you're meeting with when, the contacts and companies. You click the relevant meeting and before the meeting, you can set an agenda. Um, so here's what I'd like to talk about. Um, most of our customers use, use templates. So you can um, choose the right template for the right meeting. You can then share that out to the attendees before the meeting. Everyone can contribute and we all walk into the meeting with a common understanding of what we want to cover Mm -hmm. During the meeting, we're on a Zoom like this. Um, I have Hugo open and I write notes like I do at the moment. Um, It's collaborative, a bit like a Google Doc. So if you and I are on the same team, you can jump in and add to it. Um, But while I'm writing notes, I can um, highlight actions which get turned into tasks and tickets either in Hugo or your favorite project management tool, Asana, Trello, Todoist and the like. Um, It syncs with uh, my CRM, for example, if this is a customer meeting um, and integrates with 20 odd other tools um you, and and then when i'm done i save my note i can share it out to the team via slack or microsoft teams i can email it back to other attendees and we have is um, record of what transpired in the meeting. We've all contributed to it collaboratively. And because it's built on top of your calendar, it's organized by the contacts and companies. So I can see it's linked to the previous meetings with the company that other people have related to that project in a really organized way in that repository rather than in folders and, and documents and, and other places we're all used to.
0: Right. Well, so so I'm curious when you say it's like Google Docs, like what what's the big differentiator? Because what's to stop me yep. from doing the same thing? Like I, I could have like a doc sitting right beside here, yeah. And I could, and everybody in the in the team could be writing into the same document, so you could be sharing there. But it's like, what's the big differentiator?
1: Yeah. So the two key differences that um, I'd call that, one is it's calendar based. So the thing about Google Docs, which is a great place for document for documentation and writing specifications and contracts and other things like that is it's not designed for meetings because when I want to go and find that Google Doc and we've all been there, it could never be seen again once it's been closed, right? You're searching yeah. on text and the like. I can go and surface relevant notes um, and outcomes from meetings organized by the contact and company. So when I want to know, find the meeting, um, what happened previously with Atlassian, I can I search Atlassian. It conclusively pulls that in from the calendar data, and I can go and see all the linked contacts and companies um, going back, um, going back to all time. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that that's one, um, and that also lets you be proactive by having all the related content there. Um, and the second is the integrations. Um, as actions and insights come up and takeaways in one click, I can send them out to all my tools, whether that be my CRM, my project management tool, um, wherever work gets managed and done.
0: No, I, I love the sound of that because basically what I do is I, I, I do that exact thing, but I, I do it manually, right? So I take notes and I have a whole bunch yep. of notes in a, in a doc, whether it's a Word doc or Google doc, and then at the end of the meeting, I go, okay, this is an Asana task. This goes here. This goes here. I mean, what do you, what do I do? Do I just highlight it and then like click a button and it becomes a task in Asana? Yep,
1: exactly. That's exactly
0: but th- it. That's it. <laughs> how does that's how does it? it know that that's what I'm that's what I want that's what I want? How does it know it's a task? I mean, do you so, like... Yeah, so when you highlight
1: it, uh, an action menu on the right pops up and says, what do you want to do with this? And you, you say, create a task in Asana or create a Hugo task or send it out to Trello. Um, and there's a quick couple of quick choices. I want it to be in this project. So I want to do then and assign to this Asana user. And as soon as you save your note, that gets pushed out.
0: Oh, fantastic. So is it is it, it's, it's like SaaS, right? So it works with all mm-hmm. calendaring systems out there. Like if I'm using, Outlook or something else, do I have to have an Outlook plugin or does it work with Microsoft products as well? Or is it more of a it does. Google thing? No, it
1: works with Google and Microsoft products, any of the cloud hosted products. So Microsoft 365 is now called and, and Google Suite and, and Gmail.
0: Would I have to use it in the web version though? I mean, can I can't actually have it in my, in my Outlook. Uh, my no, web. it's not an Outlook plugin. So okay. you'd use the
1: Hugo web app, um so you'd go to our our website a bit like you would in asana for example
0: right right so can you give me some examples of use cases that you've done with this thing and how it's sort of transformed workflow from what it was like before to what it's like now
1: yeah absolutely so a common use case that we often enter organizations through is a customer facing role so I'm in customer success. I meet customers all day and uh, I take I, I take notes at the moment in my own tool. I'm meant to keep my CRM up to date. Um, the product team and engineering team really want to hear what customers are saying. And of course, I have follow up meetings with the customers and trying to figure out what we discussed last time and if I've done all the actions I need. Um, so Hugo, um, You have your plan for the day. Um, You can go and set your, prepare for all your meetings um, before. And uh, I can also do that collaboratively with my customer so they know what we wanna discuss and they can add to the agenda as well. We start the meeting. Um, we can take notes while we're meeting Um, all the actions and takeaways I will um, capture in in Hugo as I'm doing it pushed out to the relevant tools my CRM's auto sync so there's a note logged in my CRM against the the, the deal or the contact so that's all up to date I save my note when I'm finished I might have an internal and external version of it so a note goes back to the customer saying here's what we discussed here's what you're going to do here's what I'm going to do the internal version may have a slightly more honest account of what happened. Um, and uh, and when I save my note, I have my Slack integration set up. So it shares that out to the relevant Slack channel. So the product org and other people in the business um, get that feed of insights from the front line. Um, and next time we meet, um, when I'm preparing my next for my next meeting, the related notes features pulled up the last meeting and said, here's what you discussed last time. Here's what everyone said they would do. Um, and she has the status of all those items, um, along with reminders and follow-ups and that, which Hugo triggers in between the meeting, of course, to make sure it's actually done before the next meeting starts. Right. Right.
0: Well, I love the sound of this because this is pretty much exactly what I do. Like I I take notes in here and then I I go, okay, this is a task. This is a to-do item. This is this, this is this. Then I transcribe it over into the, the other thing, whether it's, you know, paper or, or online. So it sounds, it sounds like exactly. Like the way I do things like, how did, how did you come up with this? Like, where did you get the concept from?
1: Yeah, so we actually started, I mean, I spoke earlier about the problem space and why we were interested in solving for this problem. But we actually went about solving in a different way to start. Um, we, we thought the problem was around meeting preparation, um, but a different sort of part of meeting preparation. And we had a mobile app that was focused on that and um, it was growing quite slowly. And we were trying to get our heads around what the problem was and, and, and how to achieve product market fit and what the opportunity was there. And um, my co-founder Josh and I spent a lot of the time out of the office talking to customers and, and trying to do that research and understand that. And we found a big disconnect formed between what we knew in the meetings we were having and the value to the rest of the business. We had a team of eight at the time. So we built for ourselves a quick Slack integration that would ping us after every meeting and say, Hey, you just finished this meeting with Sarah. What happened? And I would reply to the Slack integration saying, It was a good meeting. Here's what we did. Um, here are the actions. Um, and then we used Trello at the time um, for managing tasks. So we added on a Trello integration instead of having bullet point actions, I'd create Trello tasks straight from nice. that. Nice. And, and we saw the organization. Transformed overnight. It was like we took the whole company to every meeting because everyone was across the insights. And uh, as we were talking to customers about the product at the time, in the same space but solving something different, um, they were more excited about how we were working as an organization than the product <laughs> we were selling. Um, so nice. Hugo became Hugo, as we say. And 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 then that was the yeah that was the the, the um, how Hugo was born.
0: I love it. So so you pivoted basically. You 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 took yeah. the like the one piece of your. Of the the software that you had, and you 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 took it to your customers, and your customers sort of drove you to pivot it in a different way. So it wasn't quite exactly. like design thinking, but you kind of you did kind of sort of throw it out there and let them let them play with it, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, we solved the problem for ourselves, which, as the textbook says, is is one of the best ways to build a business and build a yeah. product. That's um, the first and, thing you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: So exactly right. Excellent. So, I want to talk a bit about your startup journey because, I mean, how big did you say you were? You said you were eight at one point. Are, are you bigger? Yeah. Now, now we're fifteen. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. So, when you very first started, like, what made you decide to do this? I mean, you said you were an attorney. So, I was like, uh if I was a lawyer, I like, hey, that's pretty lucrative. Maybe I shouldn't do a startup. Like, why would you I know? want the entrepreneur life? You know, it's like you know, a hundred hour day, a hundred hour weeks, and blah blah blah. So it's a lot of work, right? So what, yeah. what made you decide to sort of pivot your life into into yeah. being an entrepreneur? Good question. The grass is always
1: greener. There's definitely days I <laughs> dream about having a, a job with a normal salary and not have to worry on vacation. <laughs> Um, so look, I, I think there's a few interesting things. I came from professional services being, being an attorney, right? So the way you create value is by putting in the hours and that's it. If I'm not working, there's no value created. And, exactly. Um, that for me was really frustrating, that one-to-one relationship. Um, and obviously, it's very important. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's, uh, there's plenty of, of, of roles like that out there that work mm-hmm. that way. But I was infatuated with this idea of being able to create value while I slept. I'm not yeah. talking about cow money. I'm talking about yeah. I could build something that creates value for others while I'm not even there. And software does that for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. that's one of the probably the, the most effective ways to do that. Um, and 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 I've always had that entrepreneurial sort of flavor. I you know I've done a few things through college and 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 built a couple of small businesses. And um, I, I really love the idea of, of being able to to, 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 to do that to, to build things. And I really got uncomfortable watching huge problems transpire, particularly around meetings in, in, in the <laughs> legal world, and no one caring or wanting to do anything about it. I was itching every day to fix that. And the funny thing about being a lawyer is because you build your time, you could actually quantify the problem. It would, I, I remember vividly walking out of one particular meeting with like nine or 10 people there. And I was doing the math in my head it felt like it was such a waste of time that meeting one person spoke and i was like okay um look at the bill, that's a $6,000 meeting or something ludicrous. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and and the problem was like you know being rubbed in my face every day. Um, so those two insights together, I knew I wanted to do something. Meetings were a real pain point. My co-founder Josh is a longtime friend of mine and he was sharing a similar problem through a different lens. He was already in San Francisco working for a, for a tech company here and um, doing a lot of business development in, in, in his product role and same, same sort of story. So that was the that was the drive to to solve this problem that I experienced every day in a way where we could create value while we slept, so to speak.
0: Nice, nice. So, so when you guys you guys met, did you did you fund it yourself, or did you did you get investors, or how did how did you start? Yeah.
1: So in the early days, um, yeah, friends and family um, mm-hmm. funding to 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 help get uh, make a first few hires, and then we and then we raised money um, from some investors in the Bay Area.
0: Did you like, so, and how did you do that? I mean, did you, did you just like, did you do pitches to VCs or did you just like pull your friends and family or people who, who knew, or, I mean, how did you get to the, that next level of investment to take you over the top?
1: Yeah. So the first stage, the friends and family, it's more obviously person driven. So we're saying, look, this is a problem we care a lot about. We've done a fair bit of work and we, we, you know we, we're willing to take the take the jump and go all in on this and this is why we think it's a big opportunity um and we might be wrong about how to solve it but we're not wrong about the problem and we're not wrong about us being the right people to solve it and mm-hmm. that helps to a point of, of investment um and then once we show some um uh, for when we raised our seed round um which is like institutional from from big funds um or uh, big vcs here um We, at that point, it was a case of showing some traction. So just, you know, external validation that it is a real problem and people like our solution. But again, um, our ability to execute because the VCs know that it's not gonna end up the way we started. So are we the right team solving the right problem? And does it look like we're onto something interesting? Um, And at that point, it's a bit more metrics driven, but it's not huge revenue numbers and huge growth numbers. It's a, this is a real problem um, for real people.
0: Mm -hmm. And when you did your MVP, was it, was it like an actual working product that you got out the door or did you do some more testing it with like, like suboptimal products?
1: Yeah, it, it was a working product, but definitely suboptimal. Um, mm-hmm. So especially because we've had that pivot early on, we were sort of, you know, time wise, we'd spend time and money, but we had to move, go backwards and almost start from scratch from a, from a product development standpoint. Um, so it was a basic web app, we had only a couple of integrations um, to, to solve for a few for, for, uh, first few customers. 10 was a magic number in our head, we can just get to 10 customers, you get real value from Hugo, use it all the time and would tell their story, we could show something, um, yeah. but by the time we raised our seed round, we're in the thousands of, of customers already. Um, and it, it, what's really great about build, as you know, building you know software in 2021, you obviously need the skill and, and people on board, but it's cheaper and easier than it's ever been before. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the, Absolutely. The, the AWS world and um, we use Webflow and feel the CMSs for the front end side of things and um, open APIs and it, 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 it's, a, it's it's a lot easier to get to that point than it ever has been. So it wasn't a huge hurdle to have something that was working, but still, you know, a, li- a little bit unpolished.
0: Yeah, so you're still a web app then, in you're always a web app or are you, are you planning on doing mobile versions as well?
1: Sorry, we do have an iOS app as well. Um, Android okay. coming soon, and we will go down the desktop path as well, more for offline note taking and those sorts of um, those sorts of use cases. Um, but we started as as a web app.
0: So, so can you tell me about like the your click moment, like the moment you like realize, wow, this is going to be a big success. Like, like when did that happen? Yeah. And we're not, there. I mean, the big success. You might not be, you might funny. not feel like you're there yet, but you're already yeah. on your way. If you've got thousands of customers now, there, yeah. there, there must've been a moment between, oh my God, I don't think this is going to work to, yeah, it's yes, early. it's happening. Like, can you describe that moment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It would have definitely been, you know, customer two or three um, who, um, in you know, in that first 10 category early on when they, they described their um, daily workflow with Hugo and they talk as if it's like a core Piece of a, a critical piece of infrastructure that the business couldn't run without, and you wow. get that imposter syndrome where you're like, Our little, you know, piece of software that's you know, is, is they're like, Yeah, of course, like you know, um, Slack yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and Hugo and Zoom, like you know, this is how our entire business runs. Yeah, all these um, billion and
0: dollar companies that's right, there. and you're you comparing yourself. In the middle there.
1: Exactly. Um, so that for me, yeah, the penny definitely dropped. And I was like, wow, maybe we, we are going to build something big. Um, and I think we're very lucky in that we're working on a problem. There's a there's two sides of the coin, but we're working on a problem that's well understood. It's very easy to exacerbate the pain point. Um, I, all I have to do is start chatting about meetings. And just like you did earlier, everyone yeah. nods along and gets it. Um, so we, do, we ha- didn't have to focus on that so heavily. Um, that was well accepted. We focus on the solution um, first. And, and and that's where the most of the effort is and a lot of products obviously have to do both effectively because people don't know they have a problem.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the problem with disruptive innovation is that if it's too far out, you know, you, you need to educate people, but this is an easy problem to identify. It's like everybody hates meetings and everybody hates exactly. doing things. That, so it's, it's, it's great. And I love the fact that it's kind of like you, you solve for yourself first and then you, <laughs> and then you went out and and, and, you, and you did that, did that pivot. How, so how, how much time passed between, so like the time you had that working product and then you realize this is not, this is not going to work and you had to pivot. Too long. <laughs> <Eight> <laughs> uh, it always is. Feels, feels like forever, right? So you're long. like, you're working, exactly. you're working towards this thing. And then like, how, what, when you, when you got that, that feedback, which said, Hey, this is not the right thing. I mean, what happened there? Did, did you have an urge to say, you know what, these guys don't know what they're talking about. We should keep going in the direction we're going. Or yeah. did you immediately say, yeah, you're right. We should probably pivot.
1: No, it took too long. Um, 18 months to two years, I'd say, of of pursuing that first. And I I think, you know, it's funny. I mean, if we talk about biggest mistakes we've made, I think one of the toughest, the biggest mistakes we've made is leaving distribution too late. Um, the old school of thought, you know, you, you build a great product and, and they will come. The Paul Graham famous quote from a long time ago um, mm-hmm. definitely doesn't hold true. And what I said earlier about lower entry barriers and never having been easier to build software um, has meant that the challenge in many cases now is go to market, not actual yeah. product development. I no, mean,
0: absolutely. I, I totally agree right. with that.
1: That's not that's not and, the problem and,
0: anymore. It's that's right different.
1: and 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 then what that meant for us was that we we thought it was a go-to market problem but actually it was a product market fit problem the product mm. was wrong to solve that problem um, so that's why we waited too long. Whereas if we'd focused on go-to-market distribution first, if I'd gone out with a PowerPoint presentation and tried to sell to a hundred customers and realized that no one wanted to pay for this product that didn't exist, we would have realized that before we'd written a line of code potentially. Um, yeah. So that's why it was it was too long, and it took a lot of it took us taking a pretty well you know built product. To market and watching it not get adopted. Oh I mean my like god, that must have been horrible. <laughs> that must yeah. have been horrible. <laughs> totally, I've pushed that out of my mind. That feels like forever <laughs> ago. Yeah,
0: totally. Fantastic. So, so, but, but, so that was like you said, it was eighteen months, and then, and then you sort of pivoted. And how long did it take you to pivot?
1: Very quick, um, once we said this is what we need to do, we hit the gas um, so and that, at that point we flipped, so we, we sort of split in that um, we went into mad research phase and were sending those those insights straight back to design and development so quickly um, to get something out the door as quick as we could so mm-hmm. within a few months, we had an mVp of 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 the new product um, again the, the the MVP came from uh, that hack that allowed us to share those insights more rapidly so it's a little yeah. bit. Um, a little bit incestuous there, but yeah. it's, um, it, uh, it, it it meant that um, within a few months we had something to market and we knew pretty quick um, that that it would stick. Um, one, we couldn't live without it um, as a company ourselves, um, mm-hmm. which usually means there's other people like you, but as soon yeah. as something was out the door and we saw that early adoption of the first 10 odd customers that, was, as I mentioned earlier, that was the point, but like, okay, we're onto something.
0: Yeah, so there was a, like the first period, there was a struggle to meet the fit. And then oh, yeah. and then as soon as you pivoted, it's like immediately got snapped up. So exactly. it's interesting, you, it's interesting. You, know. <laughs> you should say that. So, I mean, I've heard this from a number of different sources. It's the same with, it's like on the one hand, people say, oh, you gotta persist, persist, persist. And then eventually yeah. you'll succeed. But in other ta- other cases, you, you actually see those kind of sort of pivots and immediate, immediate success. So, I mean, it sounds like you should have pivoted earlier. Right? Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs>
1: So I, if, you know what I've asked that question of advisors, yeah. investors, anyone that I respect so many times. I don't have an answer, and it I, I have that problem to this day um, with the growth marketing experiment. Should we be you know have grit and stick with it and persist, or should we cut our losses and move on? And I I, I would love to know. I don't think there's a good answer to that in, no, in general. There I think they're two opposing forces um, yeah. that you have to that you have to balance. Um, but you know, in, in general. Um, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a couple of ways to look at it. it yeah, it's usual, in you know, like, if you're innovating, obviously, people don't know what they want before you put something before them. But mm-hmm. if you have something that demonstrates the value, and they can engage with, and there's no adoption, well, that has to say something. So, you know, like Airbnb, for example, when I first heard about like, you know, if you, you, sorry, all the, all the people that tell the story when they first started pitching, people thought it was ridiculous, right? Who's going to want randoms in their living room and and, (laughs) and who are going to pay them to to sleep in their living room? Exactly. Um, Fair enough. But we now have a platform, you know, they then had the platform, they were signing up uh, homes themselves, and you could go to this site and you could book for homes to stay. The most mm-hmm. basic MVP, and they would be on the phone, you know, hooking it all up. Yeah. Um, they had a whole lot of people signing up to, to use it, and I think that's the key. That's the key difference. If they didn't persist before that, they would they would have uh, you know been in trouble, and made the wrong call. But at that point, afterwards, there's some proof of traction. There's real people that show value. Yeah. So. I don't know and, the but, answer, but I think and that's then the, the distinction.
0: Well, but that's the thing. It's kind of like you're it's you're backward looking now. He's like, well, if if I had if I knew what I knew now, then I would have just done that MVP that <laughs> first MVP and yeah. not spent the 18 months. But if you didn't spend the 18 months, you never that's would have right. gone to the point exactly. where yeah. you would have had this. So it's good that's that how you, I rationalize kind of... <laughs> it to myself
1: and I feel like I've wasted half my life with every mistake we made. But it's it's well, true. It's true. Yeah.
0: But it just it basically just leads to the point that your MVP really does have to be the minimum like absolute minimum viable product, right? I mean, because there's yep. so many, I mean, I got caught in the same trap. I had a startup uh, maybe about 10 years ago where we did the exact same thing where, you know, we got the thing, we, we had an MVP and my co-founders didn't want to launch it because it didn't have this feature, this feature, this feature, this feature. And it's like, we don't even know if anybody wants to buy this thing. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. get let's get yeah. the absolute minimum MVP. out the door. And then, you know, when we get some feedback, they might just say, you know, this is we need something completely different. And it sounds like that's yep. what happened to you guys as well. Exactly.
1: And, and that's the advice that everyone always gives and no one ever listens to myself included (laughs) um,
0: as founders
1: (laughs) who are emotional and wedded to a particular solution and, and, and what we're doing. And we, you know, we feel like it's, you can't get that out the door. It doesn't solve. It's embarrassing. It's ugly. People don't want to, um, you know, um, uh, uh, Read um, Hoffman, the the new founder and chair of LinkedIn. He said, "If you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've left too late." And and you know, again, the textbooks all say that, but it doesn't feel right because you don't want to go yeah. and show your you know ugly child to the world that's <laughs> not properly developed. Um, we're proud and excited and passionate yeah. about solving this problem with this solution, but.
0: The, the, well, the I blame Apple for true. that. I blame Apple for that because they, all yeah. of their stuff is so beautifully yeah. designed that yeah. you have to have something beautifully designed. You can't just put out an yeah. ugly site from 1999 out there and say, "Well, you know, the, we're just testing the functionality." It's also going to look good. But anyway, it but this is a, that's that's yeah. that's another story. Um, so yeah. I wanted to ask you a bit about your 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 go to market strategy and your your marketing. Like, how did you how did you get those customers? I know you were looking for those ten <laughs> core customers. How did you like market yourself beyond that? I mean, how did you how did you yeah. grow the business?
1: Totally. Um, so today, most of our acquisitions organic. Um, it's it's content driven. We don't uh, we don't spend much money on paid or, or other channels like that. Um, and that's the sort of one. Category. Did you in the past though? Uh,
0: did you did no, you in the past to no, sort of Kickstarter? No.
1: Okay. Now, if anything, we're starting to just to get to the next stage of growth. But we didn't in the early days. Um, what was surprising about that is it's very textbook and boring, it's what the playbooks have said for a long time and you kind of assume that doesn't work. It, it does, um, especially for a, a space and a theme around like what we do with meetings. Um, people read, they write, they search, they talk. Um, meetings are a very rich area, if we were obviously in a very yeah. specific niche, maybe it's not the case. Um, so, 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 doing the standard stuff, if you like, got us a, a, long, a long way. We didn't have to do a, a ton there. Um, I think um, virality and, and referral and, and those sorts of things um, has been interesting because in one sense um, it, it takes critical mass before enough people talk about your product to to actually drive meaningful acquisition. If you have 100 people using your product, um, even if they love it every day, how often are you at a party where you talk about z- pre pandemic, we spoke about zoom, right? Yeah. It's just not what yeah. I do. If you're talking about the challenges in, you know, meeting people show sure, or come up, but that might happen in six months time for the first time for you. So yeah. the critical mass snowball effect of referral takes a long, long time. Um, and again, people can love your product, but it doesn't drive t- referral traffic that way. Mm-hmm. We've all another key driver for us is trying to think about growth in the way we build product. So product led growth, meetings are inherently viral, people are meeting others all day. Um, yeah. How do we Leverage that, and, and we do that at the moment, probably through sharing. Um, I mentioned earlier some of the workflows where I can say, before we meet, here's the agenda, what should we cover? And you're like, oh, that's really cool. What is this Hugo thing? So, that, so, so d- d- building that into the product was was a helpful kickstart early on for, for, for that natural um, growth. But other than that, it's just a case of um, hustling in a disproportionate way for the early customers. Podcast referrals, speaking at meetups, you know, one customer, one customer, one customer feels inefficient, but you can get to your first 20, 30, 40, 50 pretty quickly that way. Um, yeah, I actually, remember going and getting a day pass at a WeWork, um, in, in San Francisco and going to a few of them, sitting around and trying to um, start conversations in the common area. Like, <laughs> I hey, love that,
0: it's so important, yeah, but it this. works, so right? I turn
1: my screen. Um, what do you think? And, and again, it's totally inefficient and hugely expensive from a time standpoint, but each customer at that point was like infinitely important. Um, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Um, so, and, and then that's while we're building out the, the playbook stuff, the content, the organic side of things, and, and, and the like, um, which meant we got to a certain scale of growth without spending much money, which, is, which has been fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So, so it's time to think like a futurist. It's 2031, it's 10 years from now. Where will you be? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, are you, where are, you, take, are you
0: like a? Are you like the new Slack? People are like, oh, you know, your yeah. billion dollar business and you're your yeah. a unicorn. Everyone's like, oh, I have to have Hugo on my desk. There's, I, I yeah. can't survive without it. Is that where you are, yeah. or where do you think? Yeah. you're Yeah, gonna be? yeah.
1: I, I do. I do think so. We're building a category of software around meeting management, meeting workflow software. Um, at the moment, when you start a business, you go for your chat app and your mail and calendar app and payroll, and the like, no one thinks about meetings other than maybe a zoom or something to, to physically hold them, we definitely see ourselves as creating that category with others in it naturally. Um, so alongside project management and the like, you'll have meeting management or meeting workflow software. Um, so that's definitely definitely the the plan I, I will you know, by 10 10 years from now, we will be the meeting OS the meeting operating system for, for, for millions of companies.
0: Well, I want you guys to, be, to have some AI behind it so that it records the meeting and then takes notes automatically and then automatically sends tasks so that nobody has to take notes. Are you there yet?
1: <laughs> you know what's really interesting about that? We're actually, uh, when we started the company, um, the d- our domain, our, t- our TLD, the top level domain was shugo.ai. Yeah. Um, and we changed the Hugo. team, And the reason is, it relates to the hype cycle. Um, you, you probably heard about the garden, hype cycle, where um, we were in the trough of disillusionment as, an, as a world, I think, around AI, where people expected yeah. magic. Um, yeah, yeah. And people already take notes. It's a behavior that's already there, which is great. We didn't have to teach people or force people to do something manual. You're doing it. You showed me before. Um, yeah. And as soon as you put the AI piece in, everyone's like, oh, cool, I can now do nothing. And, and the like, yeah, that's exactly and what they
0: think. Exactly yeah. what people think. When you say AI, it's like, oh, you're taking this off my hands.
1: <laughs> no, AI, as you know, can help in automating repetitive tasks um, and analyzing big data sets. Um, and and there's certainly an opportunity there. Don't get me wrong. I, I think we're you know there are things we're thinking about and how we collect data to be able to do that down the track. Um, but we certainly didn't want this. Okay, cool. Automate my life for me. Um, it's expectation because it's only going to lead to um, you know, to uh, t- disappointment. Um, and I think by the way, transcription is if everyday meetings, other than sales training and the like is a big red herring because you, uh, people love the idea of not writing notes and getting them transcribed. Um, but I don't know about you, but if I share, you know, eight bullet points and a few tasks with the rest of the company, they get a lot of insight. If I share seven pages of, of, of notes, word for word about what happened in the meeting, No one's ever going to look at it again. So that's the that's the problem. We have a transcription until um, AI and natural language understanding is at a point where you can identify the takeaways and the actions. It's 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 not helpful for most meetings.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, because it takes me a while after a meeting to sort of collate everything and then have the action items set up and everything. So there's got to be that human filtering mechanism right now. But I can't wait for the day when. You know, even if it just transcribes and it's go, okay, that guy just said, just said something that looks like a task. So I can highlight it and go, boop, you know, Hugo it into a, Hugo it. There you go. There's a uh, verb now. (laughs) Thanks. Hugo it into a task. And then, and then, you know, as it's, as it's, as it's recording everything. But, you know, the problem is, is that even transcription services kind of, even the really good ones kind of suck because you you have to summarize it. You have to summarize it. You have to bullet Mm -hmm. pointize it, right? I mean, no one's going to read that the Yep. The only good
1: use case I've seen is the like the gong and chorus, the sales training optimization, where you're yeah. recording lots of sales calls, or um, yeah. for compliance purposes. But that's it. No no one's going to read it. Uh,
0: yeah. So yeah. Totally and people agree. say, "Oh, could do you mind if I record this meeting for for posterity?" And then no one ever listens yeah. and yeah, watches it again. But so, <laughs> I think on. that's a problem. We, I mean, human beings are just so busy all the time that we definitely need AI just to help us to survive in this complex world. So you guys are, you you are looking at building that kind of facility on like, so maybe 10 years from now, we will have some kind of automated transcription interface, which will allow us to sort of pluck tasks out of it and stuff like that. Is that totally possible? Yep, 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 yep. We're definitely thinking about that way. And the cool thing is, I think the way the world's
1: going is those sorts of technologies are becoming commoditized. When we started Hugo with the first product, it was actually very AI centric and we had to build natural language processing and summarization services ourselves. We had PhDs working on it. Now there's an AWS and Google API that does that um, to obviously a much better level. So I I think those sorts of features um, and functionality won't even be that proprietary. Of course we have that. Just like, of course it's hosted the cloud and scales that way um, so I, I, t- I totally think we'll, we will certainly be there before 10 years from now
0: i love it i love it well thank you so much this has been great so if somebody wants to get in touch with you
1: what's the best way yeah so you can check out hugo at hugo hug te t-e-a-m, T-E-A-M. Um, you can find me on twitter at darren chate um, and or, or on linkedin and feel free to reach out i'd love to continue the conversation
0: fantastic so i'll put your show, i'll put your uh, contact information in the show notes so if anybody gets it, wants to get in touch with you they'll do it that way so thank you so much it was very interesting and i'm going to sign up right now as soon as i get off good I'm to hear up. <laughs> good to hear thanks for having thank me thank you so much talk to you soon bye-bye Bye.